You're listening to the Business Simplified podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Kate Osborne, and I'm really excited to have Kate on as my first official interviewee onto the podcast. And the reason being is that Kate was my first business coach. So it was over 15 years ago now that Kate convinced me that I should become a coach. It took a little bit of coaxing, but she got me there. But she really turned my life around from when I was a struggling business owner to finding what I was really good at in life. And Kate is a master of helping people understand who they really are and then how to use those strengths and how to actually handle your weaknesses to be able to grow and develop not only your business, but you as a person. So just because now Kate is my best friend after all of these years doesn't mean that she's here on best friend duty. Kate's here because she is an expert in this field. And I want you to really understand that. It's just that I had much easier access to getting her onto the podcast to join us today because she is my friend, but more because I know exactly the results that she can get because I am firsthand uh, experience, firsthand knowledge of that. So I'm really excited that Kate's joining us and that we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be you as the business owner, uh, understanding your strengths and weaknesses understanding profiles and I'm going to get Kate to start off by sharing her story because it's quite an amazing story. So enough from me, let's get started. Hi, I'm Tracy Leake and I've been at every stage of small business from struggling through to success. For the last 15 years, I've been coaching small business owners to have more profit with less stress in their business. This podcast is the how for business. So grab a cuppa and let's get started. Welcome to the Business Simplified Podcast. Hey, just before we jump into the interview, I wanted to remind you to make sure you hit subscribe to the Business Simplified Podcast. What that'll do is it'll make sure it keeps the podcast in your library, so for quick and easy access, plus you'll get updates, notifications, letting you know when there's a new episode ready for you to listen to. So let's jump into the interview now. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Tracy. So excited to have you here. It's kind of fun actually getting to interview you as the first person onto the Business Simplified podcast. Oh, I'm honoured and thank you for coming to my new office space. It feels wonderful to be sitting here with you. It does. I mean, we've sat in many an office over the years, so, you know, it's very different. So what I'd love to do is I think that you have an amazing story about how you became an entrepreneur, how you became a coach, you know, right back to, you know, leaving school. So I think you need to tell the story of, you know, your first mentor and, and how you actually got started. Absolutely. Well, my name's Kate. I'm the youngest of six kids and I guess uh, my first mentors were really my brothers and sisters, you know. So if I were to think about life growing up as the youngest of six kids, there was always someone who disagreed with me absolutely and so I think you know there's either coachability or non-coachability and for me I just wanted others approval so as a young kid I was always trying to people please and make sure that everybody was happy and obviously that doesn't work as a strategy in life and it took me until about age eight or nine to figure out you were never going to make everybody happy and so therefore you made the most influential people in your life the happiest and you discarded the others and it never really felt good in myself. So if I were to go back and look at my conscience, um, I made some poor choices in my teenage years and that led me on a real desire to understand 
um, people and how people are made up and what success actually feels like from the inside out. And so I pursued um, a double major in psychology at the University of Queensland, which I think was a perfect fit for me. I was so curious and I was so inquisitive as to what made me tick and what made other people tick. Um, But I guess after my degree, I felt um, somewhat challenged that I hadn't applied this information. You know, we had uh, studied statistics. It was very mathematical. It was very, um, everything had to be controlled experiments. And I just didn't feel that that was useful in a world where mathematicians aren't necessarily the people you open up to. And so I left university somewhat frustrated. I deferred my master's degree in pursuit of travel. I wanted to go meet real people and get real experience. And so that led me on a 31 country um, trip around the world. And in those 31 countries, I had opportunity to stop and work and earn some money to keep traveling. And so I was always looking for places that I could save the most amount of money. So from a selfish point of view, my first real Um, money earning job was looking after rich elderly people who were dying and there was an ad in the paper that just said do you have a caring attitude and at that stage that was about all I had I was broke I'd broken up with the the partner that I traveled with and was sort of lost and lonely but too stubborn to go home because of those siblings that had told me you'll never do anything on your own and you'll never be able to cope overseas I had this real grit and determination that I wouldn't prove them right Um, but the reality was Tracy I was failing I I didn't know what to do. So I lived with these elderly people um, that were pretty much in the same situation as me, lost, lonely and alone. And I absolutely found my passion. Uh, There was one particular gentleman. He was the sixth shareholder in Coca-Cola, which he'd inherited from his deceased wife. And he was an ex-barrister. He was a merchant banker from Lombards of London, an incredibly intelligent man, but he'd had a stroke and was in a wheelchair and couldn't move. He was very um, depressed. He was an alcoholic. I was the 13th carer that the agency had sent with their intention that if I could just last two weeks, that was as long as they could foresee anybody living with this man. He was just so aggressive and he was so frustrating to care for. Um, Well, on the very first night, um, he was abusive and challenging me on my Australian origin and that I have no culture and that I was unintelligent. And I just stared him down and said, how old are you? And he said, 73. And I said, well, I'm 21. I said, you're miserable. He said, yes. I said, me too. So can you please teach me what not to do so I don't end up like you? And that there started my first mentoring relationship. And so my story really started the next day where he, with a glint in his eye, said in the morning, I am going to teach you one thing, and that is to learn how to think. And so I was with him right through until he passed, which was um, 15 months, 16 months in total. And it was probably the most special relationship of my life. He absolutely loved me unconditionally. He trained me to be able to see things from multiple perspectives. He educated me to think with the end in mind. And so for me, my story really started that I believe every single person should have a mentor, somebody who takes the time to really understand and to listen and with patience and tolerance um, you know help to avoid those pitfalls that perhaps they've had in their life and that's what he did for me he just fast-tracked my entrepreneurial journey by sharing with me all the mistakes he'd made and I had the good wisdom to be open-minded and to take those lessons on and it's really pivoted me in an incredible place in my life and 
I, every time I hear that story, and I've heard it for, I don't know, 17, 18 years now, I'm always amazed at ingrainly, uniquely within you, you had the fortitude to actually ask that question at 21. Like you already had displayed that you could think, whereas most people would have just said, oh, this is a terrible job, get me out of here. It wouldn't have lasted the two weeks. I wouldn't have lasted the day. Yet somewhere inside of you, you had that natural talent to be able to ask that question and you still demonstrate that today. Tell us a little bit about how you went from there to ending up where you are today. What was that journey of Mm. the pro? I guess the big thing was um, his dying wish was that I should travel the world, use my resource, which was money, not for building a property portfolio but for experience. And he believed that um, the business models of the future, whatever they would be, would lack morals and ethics and so his suggestion was go and master all business models layer morals and ethics over the top of them and I would have enough work to build a fortune and uh, that prediction came true I I returned home after um, traveling for an extensive period of time to go back to the University of Queensland's guidance counselor and and share my experience with them I'd had strong sales upbringing so from sort of age 15 both my parents had been in sales and so a lot of my roles were retail management and they suggested that I join Flight Centre Limited. At the time Screw Turner was an alumni at UQ and he was recruiting uh, entrepreneurs that had had 10 countries of travelled and a higher education. That was the only two KPIs. And so I was recruited at Flight Centre the very next day. So that was great guidance. And um, for five years, I leapt into that business model, which was very innovative. He had created, um, they'd moved away from franchising and into a hybrid share ownership model at the time. So they closed down their franchise division. And what they discovered was that young women coming back from backpacking were highly ambitious, very confident, very teachable. And so they put all the infrastructure around us and gave us profit share depending on our results. So every single individual was on a cost of seat model and it just worked for me. I absolutely thrived in that environment. So within nine months, I was managing my first store, 12 months bought into my first store, 18 months bought my second store, was well on my way to a career in flight centre when, of course, um, September 11 happened um, closely followed by ANSET and 31 airlines collapsing and SARS breaking out. So um, I got my first entrepreneurial lesson on diversification and that impediments to industry can have margin impact and as a small business owner it was devastating. And I can clearly remember a mentor at 27 saying you have to upskill and diversify and I remember the feeling inside me thinking I'm too old for that. I'm too old. This is all that I've done. I've put all my eggs in this basket. I just have to hold on. And thank goodness that he was strong enough to be able to coach me through that moment to say, I cannot understand what makes you so loyal. And I pointed to a plaque and I said, look, I'm going for a plaque. And he said, what's the plaque? And I said, $1.5 million in commissions. And he said, if you make $1.5 million for me, I will buy you a plaque. And it was one of the, we say in small business, a blinding flash of the obvious and a ha moment that I just laughed at him. And I said, how big will my plaque be? And he, he just said, Kate, whatever size you want. And it was a, a, an opportunity for me to realise that for women, often making money is not our driver. 
It was significance. It was love and connection. It was contribution. It was so much more than the money I was making. I was making great money, Tracy. I mean, the money was fabulous and um, it had taken us all over the world. So my goal of going to 100 countries, I was at 50 countries. I was halfway to my goal and realized perhaps I could just earn money elsewhere and just pay for my travel. You know, it was just a big mindset shift to say, just because I'm in this industry doesn't mean I have to give up the travel. What if I could do something that was slightly different? And so I left Flight Centre being poached by this client of mine. He gifted me his business. So it was a no money down deal that I negotiated on a cost of seat model. So I used the Flight Centre model within his company and, um, and, and that allowed me to really get a foothold into small business and grow the mindset of a small business owner out there on her own. It was scary because there was only two females that were earning a professional income, meaning over $100,000 a year, Australian, that I could locate on the planet. There was 629 men. So I went from Flight Centre, which was predominantly female, to an all-masculine culture. And that really took some time for me to understand how much I thrive in a masculine world and that that heart energy that I bring, that psychology background that I brought, that passion and vision from Flight Centre that I'd been um, trained in was missing from this organisation. And so I could add huge value. Within six months, I was a global trainer, became a coach's coach. I had 11 franchisees. Um, I basically travelled the world with unbelievable fabulous coaches and oversaw over 10,000 companies of intellectual property. So for five years um, was a huge opportunity. Of course, that's where we met. And so you were one of my clients, which was an incredible opportunity. And um, and I think when we partnered, it really taught me what true talent was. You were by far and away my most coachable client and your ambition outstripped every other client that we ever had on the program. And it, it sort of helped me to see that that we could use this coaching vehicle to source unbelievable talent. And, uh, and that's what I've been doing ever since is just identifying talent, unleashing that talent and watching that expand and grow. So I'm really proud of what you've done. And that's why I'm so excited to be a guest on your podcast because you've inspired me. Wasn't that nice? I think I should just take you with me everywhere. Okay. We could just walk around and give each other high fives all the time. <laughs> I think... Um, that's perfect because that leads into what I really want to talk to you about because I've been out and about around the planet and nobody does this better in my mind than you and that is really getting to the core of who someone is and I honestly believe that to be great and successful in business whatever success may look like to you that you need to understand who you are as a business owner and I think that's probably the biggest thing you did for me over all of those years was not only get me to learn what my strengths and talents were but also to accept them <laughs> because sometimes we don't. We reject our strengths you know stubborn was one of the things that you know we identified for you um, up front and I realized probably took me way too long but I realized you hadn't integrated the positive thing of grit and the positive acceptance of stubborn and so I made you a poster I think and uh, that still sits in my 
office bathroom and it's to encourage other clients so you really did lead the way in in helping people to identify if they're an outlier especially in what they perceive as a negative trait is that actually we all come from one light and in order um, Hayden Whitworth who's the CEO of Juice FM said it once in one of our team trainings that to get a shot at white light you need every particle of the spectrum of light so you need the blacks and you need the greys and you need the hues the yellows the blues you need all of it and so to build a powerful team we must be accepting of each other's strengths and so for me the profiling what isn't so much profiling what it is is alignment because you can be a lamplight which is much less effective than a laser and a lamplight's great because it makes everyone feel comfy and cosy and romantic and soft and, and what have you. But I find if you could be a laser and you can cut to the issue of, of what's needed, one, it's quicker, and two, it's highly effective, and three, you stand out, right? And lasers do that. I remember at Expo 88, we had the Stefan thing and they had lasers into the sky and it was the first time I'd ever seen how far a laser could go and it would go to the stars. I mean, how incredible that bright light was and everyone knew where Stefan lived right so after expo <laughs> so um it, it was a it's an opportunity for us to all step up in our strengths and really stop rejecting the things that perhaps you were told as a child that were negative perceived negative traits and start receiving that information as what if I could use that for good what if I could turn that trait and serve the planet and serve the world and serve my team as a strong leader? And what does strength look like really? And redefine that whole process. And, and that's what I am absolutely passionate about. So let's take it back a little step um, because there's so much in that. And if anyone's listening, you probably need to go back and re-listen to that little bit of what Kate just said. But if someone was just getting started and needed to just first of all start to discover those strengths because sitting down with a piece of paper and going, well, what are my strengths? It can actually be very difficult to do that because it's very hard to reflect on ourselves and see what strength is. We can often pick out all of our weaknesses, but to find our strengths can be difficult. What would be some of the first steps to actually discover that? And you kind of mentioned profiling. Where would you actually start with that journey of discovering your own laser light fabulous look there's so many profiles when I did my psychology degree I, I was just absolutely excited to find as many as possible and so you just go online and you search out so the ones that I would recommend would be 16 personalities which stems from the work of Myers-Briggs obviously it's been adapted and changed because it's a free model online however it's a really fun way to identify your strengths you can look up um uh, whether you're visual, auditory or kinesthetic um, by typing in VAK and that's a huge one, um, especially in small business. If you are doing any form of sales or leadership and you're a visual type and you're trying to lead kinesthetics or auditories, you are speaking a completely different frequency. And some people just do not learn through auditory. So they will never listen to a podcast. You have to physically um, show them what it is that they need to be doing. So that's an interesting one. There's a book by Dan Millman, Your Purpose, Your Life, and he's created a free app. And um, that gives you your top two values. Now, once I started to understand for each of the leaders that I was um, trying to coach and, and shift and change what their values were, I stopped trying to put my values on them and started to listen instead and, and observe where they were of value. And that was a big shift. 
Uh, disc profiling is probably one of my favorites. Um, it's not free. There are some versions, but the real benefit of a battery test is to see the raw data. Um, and so, of course, we we can help people with that um, and give them the raw data. And that's something I'm really passionate about is, is helping them to be able to identify because we just want to get this information out to people as effectively as we can. And so, yeah, that... That's something that I think profiling can be fun. Everyone in the team does it, prints it out, brings it to the team meeting and reads their strengths. And then what obviously is the opportunity is for your loved ones to complete those profiles on your behalf. Because often what you know to be true is not what others can see for you. And so I would get my husband to fill in the profile and just see where there was discrepancies. So I think I'm kinesthetic. He might think that I'm quite visual um, so that's an interesting observation is how we are projecting ourselves out to the world the people closest to us can share with us what our strengths are so I would consider asking them surveying your top customers surveying your close family and friends and making a night of um, enjoying each other's strengths and lifting each other up and that's something that in Australia a culture I think we lack we're very good at pointing out what people are not and we're not very comfortable with celebrating and um, encouraging people with their strengths. And so, you know, obviously if you're a parent, that's something that you really have got to get great at. And I love that. And just for everyone, if you're madly taking notes, I will put links in the show notes with all of those links that Kate talked about so that you can go and access all of those profiles. That'll make it nice and easy for everyone. Um, but what... I really love one of the things you do is is that a lot of people, a lot of coaches out there, like let's get real, will give someone a profile and they say, well, here you are, this is what you are. But I think maybe it could be your psychology background, just who you are. But you have this really great technique of layering things over the top of each other or the fact that like a lot of people don't understand that DISC is behavioural. I learnt that from you. It's not a personality base. Yes. So can you explain a little bit about all profile tests are not made equal, Yes. what each of them do, and then how do you actually layer them on top of each other? Absolutely. Um, so there was a guy named Freud. He was big in the world of saying, you know, we are who our parents made us to be, you know. So what what happened was Carl Jung, who was one of his students, came on board and said, I just disagree because I look around the world and that is not what I feel is actually happening. And so this whole, um, I guess, new sociology psychology started to happen is is things environmental is it nature is it nurture and so each of your profiles if we were to think of that iceberg analogy that what pops out the top was not what sunk the titanic right so anything that's a behavioral profile is a mask it means you can adapt and you can change and you can shift at will and so a lot of dieting programs are cognitive behavioral therapy we're just learning what our thoughts are underneath the behavior right and so that's something that's really intriguing is that you can change your action and your decision when you feel focused but if you haven't upskilled then you don't understand what your behavior is like when no one's watching right and I see this with people they're dieting in public and then they go through the McDonald's drive through and put it in the bin on the way home and think no one will know well nobody cares I need to let you know and we don't care if you eat McDonald's love it live it whatever what worries me is when people are in denial about that behavior and have shame 
and they're vulnerable about that situation. And so um, for me, profiling helps to take ownership over it is what is it in you that's so introverted um, and sensitive that you have to mask the behavior. And so by stacking profiles on top of each other, we get to see, well, someone who's a dominant um, person in their DISC profile might be intuitive and um, sensitive, and therefore they come across on the planet very differently than someone who's extroverted dominant. And we need to be mindful that that dominant person who's more visual will speak faster than someone who's kinesthetic. And so by stacking them on top of each other, in fact, we've, I think the most we've had is 60 in a room and we've only had three duplicates, three twinsies, right? So but the more profiles you do, the more unique you are. And so we will get people to walk around in their different profiles and, and you know, problem solve and get to feel what it feels like all dominance together, all intuitives together all introverts together, all um, visuals together. And so we move them around the room. And, and to me, that is unique. That's not something I was ever trained to do. It was a much more intuitive um, sensing thing that I realized was people kept trying to tattoo on my forehead. What are you? What are you? You're a high eye. You're a high eye. And it was so limiting in its definition is that, yes, I can talk freely and I'm good at selling. But when you go deeper, I'm a healer. And so therefore, my biggest limiting belief is that I might hurt somebody. And being dominant and an influencer and hurting somebody is something that caused me trauma as a child. And so I was always ashamed of that influencer energy and trying to block that. And actually, when I realized it's a gift and I need to go deeper and own it and set my intention before I speak... Um, very rarely do I put my foot in it anymore, but I had to own that strength of being the influencer and being able to speak freely without notes or without worrying. Um, very important for me as a healer to set intention first. I'm just listening to you and like you've said some things that I've never actually ever heard you say before. I never realised that visuals talk fast. So, you know, like just blah, 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 mm. which I do. And for anyone listening, Kate and I in every profile test are pretty much the exact opposite. We are, we are, the butterfly effect, we like to say. Yeah, so visual people are accessing information from the front of their brain. So they look up and they're seeing pictures and pictures paint a thousand words. And so they're speaking really quickly because the pictures are moving so quickly that they're trying to get the information out. And so they don't, de they don't breathe deep into their gut and they're not thinking about what they're saying. And then they, and it's, so it's, it's very exhausting sometimes when you're brainstorming with a visual when you can't let them have a big piece of paper and draw it out, right? You're far better to say, here's a big canvas, take 15 minutes, create for me what you're thinking and then talk me through it. Because most people um, can't keep up with what the visual's talking about. There's no connection, there's no grounding. Um, you can tell visual people because they're all matchy-matchy, right? So <laughs> nice shoes and handbags and hair done and makeup perfect and things like that. Our, us kinesthetics tend to have all-you-can-eat outfits and we wear comfortable shoes and we want to feel comfortable in our bodies and so we're beating ourselves up that we might not put the outfit together with the right bra and undie combination because you know what I feel more comfortable in this or that and you know much to my husband's horror that I would not put matching things together he just doesn't get it so when you marry a visual they can't understand I don't know why you'd put that on your bedside table because someone gave it to me and I love it but it doesn't match the decor right so visuals make visual decisions kinesthetic make feeling decisions 
Our auditory is at 20% of the population and yet we're still sending kids to school with a teacher who stands up the front and talks at them. It just is so ineffective. And so I think as we're evolving and growing and coaching is is really gaining momentum, it's a one-on-one hands-on tailored relationship and so by profiling the individual and their their families we can help unlock their strengths and it just to me is step one step one get to know yourself understand what your strengths are and then build your team around your weakness don't try to be your weakness outsource your weakest parts and and you'll find best friends in the process like I did. I mean, you just realise that person is so strong in that area, why would I ever try to compete? That would be crazy. Celebrate them, let them shine and you'll you'll have a happier life. I was going to ask you about that. Like we've talked about strengths. What do you do when you discover your weaknesses? And I know oftentimes I've heard you use the term, you know, your shadow side. You know, how do you actually take that on board? How do you learn to deal with that? Like, yes, there's certain things we can outsource, but then there's certain things you need to understand about yourself. How do you work with someone to overcome those weaknesses or to, you know, be able to continue their life and and go out and succeed, even though they might seem to have weaknesses that are like an anchor? Yeah. Oh, we all do. And I think small business is designed to um, exacerbate our weakness. I really do. Like I came into small business as a salesperson and I got finance lessons left, right and centre. And so for me, um, you know, I had some limiting beliefs around the legals and the accounting side of things. And I had to acknowledge that I was consciously incompetent in certain areas. I don't know how to lodge a bass. Today, I don't know how to lodge a bass. However, what I recognize in that learning curve of unconscious competence is dangerous. Unconscious anything is dangerous. So in small business, it's designed to bring consciousness onto your daily moment every single moment and and in order to have power you have to be present and I often find when people are spinning from the past into the future they're so unconscious that anything they say you cannot take personally right and you can tell if someone's conscious when you look in their eyes you can tell they're either on the planet right here with us or they're off with the fairies somewhere past or present. And so it's very important if you've got an area of your business where you are unconsciously incompetent, you you need to find a teacher, somebody who's highly competent in that area and compassionate to be able to walk you through the learning step and also understand you will outgrow that person. And that's one of the hardest things that I've had to endure I guess is the outgrowing process because I have an insatiable curious knowledge base and it continues to grow every year as my confidence grows um, it's very difficult to sit down with someone and identify I've outgrown you so even though um, there's entitlement sometimes where you can sense that they feel entitled that they got you to success that's ego So if you've got a team around you that you feel are somewhat entitled, and that can include your team, that can include your spouse, sadly, that can include your kids, um, you've got to be able to get conscious to that emotion and be vulnerable in that relationship to say, I just sense that I'm growing and I'm continuing to grow and I need you to grow along with me or this relationship inevitably is going to part ways. And that is probably 90% of the work I do right now. So I work with high net worth individuals who are the primary income earners and are really struggling with entitlement. And they need somebody who's conscious on the planet to gently 
encourage the people around them to grow. And you can't force growth. It has to be conscious. And unfortunately, there's a window to it. If it doesn't happen in a 12 to 18 month period, um, it's sort of too late. And so, you know, that's a very delicate um, business to be in, but that's the business that I've chosen. And um, I actually, I really enjoy it. It's because you're good at it. (laughs) You know, um, there's very few people on the planet that could actually help the type of people that you're working with and and what you're able to do with them. Um, So, Kate, what's some practical tips that our listeners can take away from this and, and start to implement into their business and their life? Excellent. You know, one of the things that I discovered early on was um, I was angry. I was really angry and I didn't know how to contain that anger. And I was taking that anger out on people that I loved because I was so frustrated. And that frustration needs to go somewhere. So the first um, practical tip that I would encourage is is to move that energy, get it moving. So for me, a personal trainer was able to really help me um, grow in small business. I needed to have accountability around my health, around my mental health especially, and the food that I was putting into my body because in small business, everything felt exposed. And so I was feeling weak and I wanted to feel strong. And so learning to develop that strength of mind, body, spirit was a really practical tip. And so an, at least an hour a day was was what was needed. The second thing that I do is on a Sunday, I really allow myself to journal and do some self-analysis. And to me, there's no better coach than that quiet, still voice within. I know what I want and I know the direction I wanted to be heading in and if I'm heading in the opposite direction I'm my biggest critic and so by allowing that critic time to be able to say during the week you know what you get your time on Sunday shut up right so Nisu that never ever shuts up voice in your head it's like you know what your your forum is Sunday right now we've got to pull it together because everyone expects me to get up on that stage and and talk and so there's no room for you to speak right now and so we've got to learn to discipline that voice like a naughty two-year-old toddler so that's a practical thing that I'd encourage in small business give yourself a very clear runway of what days you're doing what by when and so especially if you're introverted and someone's blindsiding you with information, say, oh, I'm sorry, can you email that to me and just put in the subject line? And, you know, Mondays I look at marketing. You know, Tuesdays I'll look at the sales conversion. Wednesdays is operations. Thursdays is team and Fridays is finance. If you just email it, then I'll be sure to be able to address that on the right days with my team. And I always would say that. Even if my team was my lawyer, my accountant, my best friend, my cat. They didn't need to know who my team was. It was just, no, no, my team and I discussed that on that day. So, yep, no problem. If you want a refund on Fridays is when we do all the finances. State the case, put on there, full refund in the subject line and and let us know why you believe that to be the case. And we'll do it for you on Friday. So if you have the ability to just put some stop gaps and then do that self-analysis, I just found in business, it just got things paced so much more appropriately and then you've got 52 days to look at each of those things a year as opposed to all the time all the time does that help absolutely I think we might wrap it up there even though I could sit here and talk to you all day I do know that you know you and I both have things to go off and do today but thank you so much for one being my first official guest here on the podcast not just best friend Judy but also guest interviewee but 
I want to thank you publicly for everything you've done for me. And, um, you know, you touched on a few things through there and Kate's very, very special person. And I hope that everyone's got heaps out of this today, because if you go back and re-listen and unpackage some of those things, there's some real key moments in there that might just set you onto a path that could totally change your business, but also your life. And the thing that I've learned the most from you is learning to accept and love myself for who I am and discovering all of those strengths because I'm a very different person to the person I was the day you met me. So it's um, been quite a journey and I really thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. Did you know that nine out of every 10 business owners complain that they simply don't have enough time? I believe that not having enough time is one of the greatest excuses that holds small business owners back from their true potential and the profits they deserve. We've all been taught our entire lives that being in business means working around the clock to achieve success because business is supposed to be hard, right? I believe business should be simple. And this is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Time. I wanna show you how to take control back on your time, how to think about time differently, and all with simple strategies that take no time to implement so that you then have the time to create the success you desire. And the best part is, the program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.tracyleek.com time and we can get started right now.